What is going on, everybody? And welcome to the High on the Hogs podcast. And joining me tonight, as always on Thursdays or Fridays or Saturdays, whenever you're listening to this pod, is my buddy Tyler Davis. Tyler, how you doing, man? Woo freaking pig, man. How about that game? Did, did Arkansas win or did I just make that up? I think we're still dreaming it, honestly. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I did a podcast about it a couple of days ago and it was still real, but I don't know. I don't know if I can still believe it even today. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 1,071 days, uh, two coaching searches. Chad couldn't do it in two years. Pittman did it in the second game. Um, just an unbelievable, gritty performance and an awesome win over a ranked team on the road. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better as a Razorback fan. No, and I don't even, I don't even care that it's COVID. I don't care that it's any of that. We won an SEC game on the road, and we did it defensively. That's the most impressive thing of the whole thing. The whole piece for me is we did it defensively. I don't think there was one person last week that even if you picked Arkansas last week that would have picked this game to finish 21-14 to 14 with Mississippi State sitting on 14 at the end of that game. Yeah, I mean, defense has been the name of the game. I know. I kind of hope people don't go back and watch like some season preview stuff where we pretty much bash the defense because it's been the exact opposite. We're, we're looking like idiots right now. But even going into that game, I know people were like, "Well, if Costello can throw for over six hundred yards on LSU, I mean, what, he may break the record again." But but Barry Odom again and again, he's putting together the perfect game plan. He rushed three. He dropped eight, like we said he should have. And it just worked to perfection. I know he still threw for 313 yards, but that was half as many as he did against LSU and forced him um, to dink and dunk until he got impatient. And when he got impatient and forced throws, Arkansas took advantage and picked off three passes. Well, and you think about it, too, um, in terms of the 300-and-something yards that he threw for, I mean, really, he was at, like, I think 280 or two – he was under 300 before that last drive where it was just some junk time throws to get him 313. So, I mean – 313, three interceptions, which, you know, we knew that would be a big key uh, to what they would be able to do. So that was huge. Um, yeah, I mean, everything the defense did was was pretty darn impressive. And then you take and you pile on top of that the fact that we were we were out some really big contributors, not only on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, and they still held this Mississippi State team, team down to 14 points. Yeah, I mean, if you told me before the game that Arkansas was going to go into Starkville and they weren't going to have Rakeem Boyd, Traylon Burke, Monterrey Brown, Dorian Gerald, Julius Coates, and they were going to try to win, I'm, I would think you're absolutely insane. So it's a phenomenal job by those guys that back everybody up. I know they've gotten a lot of people reps because of COVID, and, and, and this is the type of game where apparently that paid off. I mean, we had a, a freshman walk-on corner playing most of that game, and he was shutting them down. Yeah, and you think about it, you had two, really two pre, well, a walk on, and then in Blair, a previous walk on. Right, right. I mean, that it's just, it's incredible. And then you, you see guys like, you know, even a guy like Fusha, who was maybe, maybe not in the doghouse last week, and, uh, and he comes out and shows out. So, I mean, I, the youth on this team is, is pretty darn impressive. And, and Hudson Clark, you mentioned the walk on. Hudson Clark was just, crazy impressive to me I, I it was funny I was listening to the buzz on my way back and forth this afternoon and they had uh they had Chuck on this evening on drive time and Chuck even said he said I looked down on the field and I saw 17 on defense and I was like why is John David White playing defense <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and I mean yeah I mean that no one knew who that kid was and you know not only did he did he play extremely well he, he basically shut down that side of the field but if you watched I think I brought it up on our on our post game show and as well as the podcast some of the heady plays he made, just plays that you – I mean, just a sophomore in general, you don't really expect it to have that mindset. But then a guy who's a walk-on who never really – you know, a guy like that, you don't really think of a guy that's going to be a heavy contributor for you. And, boy, he just – he looked like he belonged on that football field. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be lying, like you said, if I, if, I did, if I said I didn't have to look up who in the heck that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you guys mentioned that play that he made. Um, on one of Fouché's interceptions, he made a really smart play there on the sideline. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. I know you have to mention that, obviously, Mississippi State lost Kylan Hill earlier um, in the game, and that's a huge blow for them. By the way, he did absolutely fumble. That ball was out, but yes. the football gods were looking out for Arkansas there. Karma came back. Um, but Arkansas obviously was hit much harder by the injury bug with all those guys out, and the next man mentality was going strong. Everybody that came in held their own. 
And and like you said, it ended up in, a, in an awesome victory, a huge win for Sam Pittman and Razorback Nation. Yeah, so real quick, just to kind of finish up a little bit of recap on that, I think it's amazing when you look at the numbers. I think when you, when you think about the fact that Arkansas trailed the time of possession game by 13 minutes to a team that wants to go air raid, and we we basically we were a hundred yards less than them in in passing yardage. We we had less rushing yards than them. The, I mean, really, the only metric we seemed to win in was turnovers and the scoreboard. Yeah, this definitely wasn't a game where you can look at the box score and think, yeah, Arkansas got the job done. Um, but like we said, it's the defense. It's timely stops. It's making plays and being opportunistic and taking advantage of those opportunities. Um, the offense showed flashes. I think that Felipe Franks was a lot safer and smarter with the football, 20 of 28, 212 in those two touchdowns. Um, we did have that fumble late in the game. Um, but, like again, I, I, the offense is still going to have to continue to progress to help the defense. Um, just going back to that theme of, of, of punting too often, too many three out, three and outs. I mean, when, when Mississippi State pulled within seven, 21 to 14, it was getting a little bit tight there, and the offense went punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt, punt. So they, they, the defense still found a way to make stops, especially I think Mississippi State was four of six on fourth down, but those two late fourth down stops were massive. Um, and the defense obviously gets the game ball because they made stops time and again against an offense that going into the game was considered one of the best in the country. Yeah, so give me your, give me your offensive and defensive players of the game from that from last week's game. Um, offensively, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Davion Warren. I think he really surprised me. Um, in the absence of Traylon Burke, he's been a guy who's really just been a special teams performer. He hasn't done much as a, as a receiver, um, but he had four catches. He had a really long catch that, that set Arkansas up down the goal line. They didn't capitalize with the score, but then he had that touchdown that was set up nicely by the screenplay. Um, I just thought he showed a lot of speed and dynamics. And then he had a monster catch on a, on a third down late in the game when Arkansas was trying to milk the clock and did a good job of staying in bounds. Um, it was a pretty much a break, breakout game for him. And he's a guy that if, if Burks is not able to go against Auburn, he's going to need another big game for Arkansas to have a chance. Yeah, and I agree with that. I went with Davion as well as my offensive player of the game this week as well. So on the defensive side, what are you feeling over there? Because you got some I options. I think there – yeah, I was about to say, there are a few guys. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I'm going to pick two, and it, it may be unfair – uh, but I think I'm going to go with Bumper Pool and Joe Fouché. I mean, they were obviously SEC Defensive Players of the Year. The first time Arkansas has had a Defensive Player of the Week, excuse me, Defensive Player of the Week since 2014, which is pretty much the last time you think of Arkansas having a decent defense with Spate and Phylon and Flowers. Um, but Bumper had 20 tackles. Fouché had two huge interceptions. Um, both of those guys were massive for the defense, making plays. And in the end, uh, that, that was the difference. Yeah, and so I I'm, I I picked Joe Fouché to start the week, and I'm sticking with Joe Fouché. I just, you know, I think it, there was again some maybe potential issues last week. He's on the plane. He's in. He's he, you know he's in Starkville. He has a huge game and two just really really big plays. I mean, and they were they, obviously the Greg Brooks interception is the difference in the right. game on the scoreboard, and it was a fantastic play. Um, but and Brooks had a great game as well. But Fouché just that was and and it wasn't just the two interceptions. It was how he made those two interceptions and the plays he made on those two balls were really impressive. And so on the defensive side is, you know, uh, and you made, you made a, a, maybe a Freudian slip there with, with a defensive player of the year, but bumper pool is headed towards that direction. <laughs> yeah. If he continues doing what he's doing this season. <laughs> yeah. As far as Fouché, I think it's really good to see for the fans and just for him as a confidence standpoint. I mean, nobody was expecting Simeon Blair to start over him in that first game. He's been a guy his whole career. He's kind of he's shown flashes, but he hasn't really taken that next step. Maybe this is a game that really gets him that confidence boost to believe that he can be an All SEC safety hybrid type player, and the rest of the season he could continue to make plays in big spots like that. Yeah, for sure. So, give me your good, bad, and ugly outtakes from the game. Um, well, good. I mean, I I think we've covered a lot of this. Obviously, the good is just the defense. I mean. Can we say, I don't think it's possible to say enough about the job that Barry Odom has done with this defense. Just I mean, the last two years, yeah. The last two years, let's just be honest. I mean, it was embarrassing. It was the worst defense in Power 5, maybe the worst defense in the entire country, um, if, if you're being honest. 
they couldn't stop anybody. And to see them go from that to the turnaround to where they're, they're a top 30, 40 overall defense already so far this season. I mean, I honestly can't believe it. So obviously my good, uh, there's the defense, the bad, um, I would say would just be, uh, the three and outs. Like I said, um, just too many three and outs, too many uh, in, inability to, to sustain drives by the offense. They did show flashes. They are progressing, but they still have put the defense in best spots too often. Um, and the ugly, um, I'm going to have to go with, I think you got to go with the, the Mike Woods mistake at the end of the game. Um, just getting a personal foul when you're trying to go victory formation and take a knee. Um, you can't have that. I didn't get a good look at it. Maybe it was kind of a questionable call, but that's just something when, when you're in a spot where what you need to do is do nothing that he should have done nothing. He should have stayed out of it and, and it made Arkansas fans nervous. I'm sure I'm, I wasn't the only one that basically had a heart attack and was like, here's where we give it up right here. So that was a pretty boneheaded mistake. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was a so it was a situation where he was kind of defending Franks, who took kind of an unnecessary hit, and basically Woods just was the last man that got caught acting a fool in the situation. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, tough situation. For me, the good, obviously, the defense. I'm not even going to spend any more time there. The defense. Right. No reason to found. Yeah. <laughs> The bad to me was the inconsistency on the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned third down, but, you know, this was a game that, and again, we lost Rakeem Boyd, so that definitely plays into it. But to me, this was a game where Arkansas had an opportunity to really try to assert some of the running game and and, and do some things, and they averaged 1.7 yards per rush. That's mm-hmm. not going to cut it, and that was a defense that really you can run on and you controlled the tempo of this game defensively. You controlled what was going on. So at the end of the day, your offense really should have been able to do whatever they wanted. It wasn't like Arkansas had to throw the ball, you know, 40, 50 times to keep up with Mississippi State. All they had to do was run the ball and keep the keep keep the ball on their side. And unfortunately, they couldn't do that, and the defense bailed them out. Uh, the ugly for me was that atrocious play calling after Boyd took himself out and they brought in KJ and the – yeah, all that. That, to me, <laughs> was the ugly. It made no sense. You've got all backups on the field. Um, I, Yeah, to me, that's that's the ugly. Yeah, I, I, honestly, with that, um, I, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of that call either by Bryles. I mean, I like sticking with Felipe in that spot. Now, I will say, going back and looking at it, on the first play where KJ kind of ran out and rolled out to the left and ran, I mean, I think if you have a Malik Hornsby or somebody faster, you could possibly have scored. And on the second play, it was it was just a bad read by KJ. Um, he should have handed the ball off to yeah. Traylon Smith, and that probably would have been a touchdown. But then that goes back to if Felipe had been in there, he probably would have made the right read. So I, I do think that was a mistake for, from taking Franks out and putting KJ in in a spot like that. And that touchdown really could have could have been huge in that game. It could have been the difference. Um, obviously, ended up they still won. But I agree with you that that was a rough sequence right there on the goal line. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's move on to Georgia and Auburn and uh, that game last week. I So I talked about this with Andy earlier in the week, and I, and I didn't – so I wasn't overly surprised by this game in terms of the final score. I think I was just more surprised at how it got to that point, the fact that Georgia really probably could have scored – could have won this game by an even wider margin if they wanted to. And, and to me – that's the surprising part of just how bad this Auburn team has really looked the first of two weeks. I know they beat Kentucky in, in week one, but, man, Georgia just flat out dominated them in all phases of the game on Saturday. And while Georgia's a really good team, I I really thought Auburn was at least going to be a little better than this. <laughs> yeah, 100% I agree. I mean, I, I honestly was surprised at, at how much confidence that people had in Auburn going into that game. Um, I know I was watching the SEC Network that morning, and, and every single one of their analysts picked Auburn to win, and I, I just did not get that at all. And like you said, I mean, Georgia got up like 24 to nothing and basically coasted. I mean, they put it in cruise control. They handled the rest of the game, only gave up six points to Auburn the entire game, and they were absolutely manhandling them on both sides of the ball. Um, Georgia held Auburn to 15 first downs and only 216 total yards. 39 yards rushing, which is like 1.8 yards per carry. Auburn looks bad. I mean, I, I think especially for what people thought they might be this year, it, their fans have got to be getting restless and disappointed with their performances so far. 
Yeah, and you know, I went back and looked. So Auburn punted on four of their five first half possessions. Four of five. And their only other one was, of course, the <laughs> field goal that came off of an eleven play, sixty-five yard drive that chewed up almost five minutes off the clock. Auburn then gets the ball to start the second half and they go fifteen plays, fifty-four yards in five minutes. And they end up with a field goal. The amazing stat, this is the, and this is something I think, obviously, Barry Odom and, and really Arkansas is going to be looking at from the defensive side, but also offensively, if we can run the ball. Auburn only got the ball three times in the second half. Three times. They kicked a field goal, wow. they threw an interception, and they punted. That was their entire second half. I mean, it, yeah. It, that's crazy. It's unbelievable when you look at the numbers. I mean, on their interception, their second drive of the second half was a 15-play, 49-yard drive that took almost six minutes off the clock. They ended with a pick. And then their final drive of the game, they went five plays, eight yards, punted the ball after three, a little over three. I'm sorry, eight plays, eight yards. So a yard a play, three <laughs> minutes, they punted the ball. And then, of course, Georgia gets the ball and goes seven plays, 27 yards, and runs the last 448 off the clock. Georgia completely control even Georgia so Georgia's drives in the second half 10 plays 67 yards and 12 plays uh, 50 12 plays 50 yards those both ended in field goal attempts one was made one was missed Georgia just whipped them in the second half just manhandled them up front and I mean can Arkansas do the same thing is going to be the question this week yeah I mean the, the offensive futility that Auburn struggled with so far is well documented but like you said, even defensively, where Auburn's known with Kevin Steele of having a solid unit, they weren't very disruptive. I mean, they only had one sack, two tackles for loss the entire game. Um, Stetson Bennett was able to be comfortable in the pocket. They threw for 240 and a touchdown. They ran for 202 yards. I mean, it really was just a, a, a domination. Um, I know Arkansas doesn't have the athletes that Georgia has um, in the trenches, um, but I, I do think that that bodes well for, uh, for Arkansas this weekend being able to finally maybe get the get the running game uh, going. And maybe they're meeting up with a team that they're actually more physical than. I think they did that to Mississippi State. I think they were more physical. Auburn has, has pumped Arkansas a few times in the past, and I definitely don't expect that to happen on Saturday. Yeah, and that leads us into a good transition into just looking at the, the, the history of this, of this series and the last four years. I mean, I, I found a – I found an article kind of searching through some stuff, trying to find some good stuff on Auburn. And uh, one of them was from AL.com. It says, for Bo Nix, Auburn's annual pig roast of Arkansas is perfectly timed. Um, and, you, I mean, as much as I hate to read that, I can't argue. You know, Auburn's won the last four games by a combined margin of 193 to 36. Uh, and, oh. Yeah, and the last time that Arkansas actually beat Auburn in – in, in in the on the plains was in 2012. Mm-hmm. So I mean Arkansas has struggled, and it really not just four. I think it's what seven out of the last eight or six of the last seven, something like that, is is what Auburn's won in the series. So Auburn has dominated Arkansas to a point that it's been embarrassing for the last four years. Yeah, I saw where I believe once once Malzahn came came as on board as their head coach, I think they've averaged something like 46 points a game against Arkansas. Uh, that's just unacceptable, and I, I definitely don't see that happening this year. Uh, I can't remember exactly what year it was. Was it 2016 that, that we kind of thought that Arkansas might have a chance and they just absolutely destroyed us? It was yeah. like 56-3. to three. Yep. Um, I don't know. That's, so I think that's, that's probably a source of hesitation for a lot of Razorback fans. Is even, even in years where you think you have a decent team, you might have a shot of giving Auburn a game. They just had our number for, for whatever reason. And, and and maybe maybe I'm being naive and thinking this is a different a different era a different time. I just I just expect a good close hard fought game no matter who wins. I do too. I just don't think either one of these offenses have enough firepower to, exactly. to put up the numbers. I mean, you even look back in 2015 when Arkansas won the game last time. That was a 54 to 46 game. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. So the points have have not been hard to come by, but I think they really will be this this week. Uh, I think again. Whether it's the timing, whether it's the the inexperience of Auburn's offensive line, whether it's you know whatever the issues are for Arkansas's offense, the defenses are far ahead right now. Maybe that's COVID. You know, maybe that's lack of preparation. At this point, who knows? But you know, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I see this game being being pretty pretty low scoring. Plus, some other factors that are going to come into play this weekend as well. 
Right. I mean, outside of name recognition alone and the fact that Auburn's the ranked team, I think they're ranked 13th now after that loss to Georgia, if you just look at the numbers they put up, it's, it's kind of eerily similar. I mean, Arkansas is averaging 15.5 points. Auburn's averaging 17.5. Um, Arkansas's offense, 277.5 a game. Auburn, 270. 270, 270 yards passing, 205 yards passing for Auburn. Um, I know in rushing, Arkansas is, is like 71st in the nation in rushing, and I know we'll talk about that in a minute, and Auburn's 72nd. So, I mean, they're neck and neck with those offensive numbers. They've both been struggling, and even the defenses have been pretty similar because Auburn has, has always has a solid defense. But like you said, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a gritty, hard-fought defensive battle and probably a low-scoring game. Yeah, so some of the storylines to look for in this game is obviously, you know, I mean, we'll just let's just put it out there. We haven't even merely mentioned it, but we'll just go ahead and start or say it now, the Chad Morris effect. You know, that's going to be the number one storyline, I think, at least initially. I think the storyline that's going to make the game as we get going is obviously going to be what's going to happen in the trenches. You know, you just made the point, you know, what those rushing yards look like. This, you know, Auburn wants to run the ball. It's how they have really just embarrassed us over the last few years is just running right through us. So, you know, the, but the thing is, is can their offensive line stand up against this defensive line? And do they have a running back anymore? Yeah, I mean, they've really struggled running the ball. And, and I, I was a little bit surprised. I know that Gus Malzahn's offense are known for being run first. I don't know if it's the Chad Morris effect, but they've kind of gone away from that a little bit. I mean, they've, they've only had 52 rushes so far this season, um, as opposed to, I think, 67 passes. Um, they have 13 fewer carries than Arkansas. Um, but like you said, they're not going to have Shivers in this game. They're going to have to rely on Tank, Tank, Biz, Dick, excuse me, Tank Bigsby and DJ Williams, as well as Bo Nix, kind of using his legs. And, and it's, I'm glad you, you brought up their offensive line. So I know Arkansas has had a lot of issues up front there, and but Auburn has had a lot of problems with their offensive line this season, shuffling guys around. I, I looked up um, a little bit about the guys they have starting on their offensive line. And so according to, to 247, the recruiting star rankings for our Auburn starting offensive line are like this, okay? Their starting left tackle was a three-star, and he was a defensive tackle in high school. Their left guard was a three-star, and he was a defensive tackle in, in high school. Their center is a four-star, the only four-star on the line. Their right guard was a two-star, and the right tackle was a three-star and the number 33 tackle. So they, they don't have studs up front this year like they've had in the past. And, and I honestly, I mean, I, I know Arkansas may not have routine board, routine Boyd this weekend, which is obviously an issue. But even so, with Traylon Smith, I give Arkansas a slight edge in the running game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, like, they're even their right guard. He's a grad transfer from Akron. I mean, this is not a guy – again, not to take anything away from him, he's in the SEC play. No disrespect. Yeah, but, I mean, again, Akron last year is, is, a, diff, is a different animal than, than, uh, than, than coming into the SEC. So, you know, that's that, – you know, he, he's going to have some, some things to deal with there. You, you talked about their right tackle, battled cancer in 2016, has worked his way back. So, you know, we'll see how well that works out. You know, they do have a big offensive line, but – how much talent is really on that offensive line? And, and that, to me, is going to be the key in this game. It, right. It, and the, well, I was going to say, especially when you add to that what we think the weather is going to look like. It looks like it's going to be, I think they said, maybe a little less rain than first thought, but right now it's still going to rain, and it's going to rain a lot. And and so I think that's going to put the, keep this game on the ground as much as possible. And so, yeah, that, the, 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 that game in the trenches is going to be the biggest piece of this game, in my opinion. Yeah, that's exactly where I was about to segue. Because because of the weather, I mean, Hurricane Delta, it looks like as of right now that while we're recording this, there's about a 70% chance of rain. Um, I would say it's very likely that it's going to be kind of a, a messy game on Saturday. It's going to be muddy. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be slick. It's going to be hard to pass the ball. So, so like you said, that running game is going to be essential. Holding on to the football is going to be uh, very important. And I, I think that's an area where Arkansas can, can take advantage of Auburn where they haven't been able to do that in the past. 
Yeah, and I think the other key, too, is that the, the weather should slow some of that speed that Auburn has where they can kind of take a little bit of advantage, I think, especially if you're, if you're talking some misdirection things. So I think that helps Arkansas that maybe, you know, maybe levels that playing field a little bit as Arkansas is still trying to work speed into this lineup. You know, they've got pieces here and there, but Auburn, Auburn has shown over the last four years that they, they, have, a, they have incredible speed on this team. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think the weather is going to have a big impact on that as well and will really help Arkansas. You know, the key, I think, obviously Arkansas has got to continue to, to stop this running game and force Bo Nix and, and Chad Morris to win through the air. And, you know, in the past, we've seen firsthand how that works. So, you know, as we, as we look at the way this – how this game is going to game plan out, you know, I like Arkansas's chances defensively. Yeah, well, and, and, and – a big boost for their for their defense is it looks like like we mentioned earlier that Shivers is out. Um, even receiver Eli Stove is probably out, and and their best receiver Seth Williams is questionable. I mean, if, if both either or both of those guys are out, that's massive for the secondary. And then I don't I don't know um, if we've mentioned this. I don't think we have, but KJ Britt. I mean, they're all SEC first team linebackers having surgery. He won't be there. He's their leading tackler. I saw a quote earlier today that said that. He's not just the leader of the defense. He's the leader of the team. And so that, that is a tough, tough loss for them um, to not have him in the middle of the defense on Saturday. I mean, Ar- Arkansas was hurt by injuries last game. They may be hurt again this, this game, but it sounds like Auburn's hurt just as bad. Yeah, so let's talk about injuries a little bit. I don't know if you have many updates. I've been a little out of the loop the last couple of days. I know it sounds like that uh, Pittman expects two of the three big names uh, in Burks and Monterrey Brown and Rakeem Boyd, two of those three to play. I guess my understanding is it sounds like it's probably a better option or better. I think we're, we've got a better chances of seeing Brown and Burks and probably not Boyd. Yeah, I mean, Pittman likes to keep things so under wraps. It's hard to know what he's saying, if it's true, if it's gamesmanship, if he really doesn't know. Um, from all accounts, I don't expect to see Rakeem Boyd on Saturday. It's still possible, but, but I would say unlikely. Um, I'm leaning. I'm more optimistic, like you said, with Traylon Burke. Um, it sounds like his MRI was clean, that one that he wasn't supposed to post on Instagram, and he got reamed for it. It seems like that was a good result for him. Um, probably should stay off of social media. Um, as far as Monteric Brown, I really don't know. I, I think it's kind of a flip a coin thing whether we see him or not. Um, obviously, those are those are big losses. But if Arkansas can get one of the three of those back, um, then obviously they're in better shape than they were against Mississippi State. Yeah, and I think obviously the question becomes what is you know what do we do at running back if you're without Rakeem Boyda? You've got Obviously, Traylon Smith carried the load last week. Uh, you know, you, you, I think I read we have Spivey back this week, and they're wanting to travel four or five running backs. Who are the other running backs that are going to travel? Yeah, well, I know one of them for sure is, is freshman Dominic Johnson. He's more of a yeah. bigger back. I think he actually came in last game. I think maybe Traylon Smith had a cleat come off or something like that. Um, but, but Pittman said today that, that it kind of is going to depend on the weather and the situation. But if it's rainy and they want to go with a bigger back, it will be Dominic Johnson. Outside of that, I mean, it's kind of a free-for-all. Um, like you said, Spivey, I mean, they moved T.J. Hammonds to wide receiver. I don't think he's he's ran with the backs much at all. Um, your guess is as good as mine <laughs> if they have any sort of issues as far as injuries beyond that. I mean, this is really where missing um, Oglesby um, out with injury is going to hurt them. Because at the beginning of the season, I was excited about this group and thought they had a lot of depth. But you get a guy or two hurt, man, it's a totally different story. So two. So we've talked about the running game. Obviously, that's a big part of this game. But I want to get your opinion on as far as these offenses and and who you think is going to figure this out first because both offenses have obviously struggled you know Auburn had a little more success against Kentucky than you know than Arkansas had against Mississippi State both offenses both of these teams offenses really struggled against Georgia although Arkansas put up more points you know who so in your opinion which one of these offenses figure it out first I'd say whichever offense doesn't have Chad Morris right (laughs) yes 100 (laughs) percent I mean that that's my first honest answer um, I think I think that's a tough question. Um, I think that they're both in similar spots, but I will say this: I think that I think that Arkansas is making progress. I think that Kendall Browse is really getting a feel for what it's like to call plays in the SEC. 
I think it's good to have a guy like Felipe Franks because he has that SEC big-time experience. Um, I know that Arkansas needs to get some guys back from injury to really be at full strength, but I just think Auburn has a lot of issues. I think that I think that Chad Morris, obviously, like we've seen before, I don't consider him a good quarterback developer. I know he takes credit for Deshaun Watson, but he only recruited him and he coached him for a season. I mean, I think that was completely false. I think that there are a lot of issues. I think you've seen Gus and Bo Nix yelling at Chad on the sideline plenty of times. I think they have more problems on the offensive line than Arkansas does. So, honestly, I, I think that Arkansas's offense is going to continue to improve, and I think that, that the, the Chad Morris experience and Auburn's offense may be a jumbled mess all season long. So, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I think that uh, – I do think Arkansas will be, the, will be the offense that breaks out first, and, and I think the reason that I think that is a couple of things. You know, first off, I think Arkansas's got the better offensive line. Coach is. Um, I yes. think that – while we still question the 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 talent maybe a little bit, it's it's youth. It's learning on the fly to a lot of extent. You got two what sophomores or redshirt freshmen at, at the guard positions. Um, you know you've got young guys there. You've got you know a really really talented center. And and so you know I like what Arkansas is starting to build and that nucleus on the offensive line currently. Whereas. For Auburn, and again, they're going to go up against a, a pretty formidable defensive line, but a defense right. that is missing their leader, as you said in Britt, a guy that makes all the calls, a guy that makes that, that is the leader on the field and, and the leader of this team won't be out there for them. So that's a big key. On the flip side to me, Auburn doesn't even know who they want to start at offensive line. Like you talked, we talked about the guys that they have listed as starters, but last week they were rotating guys in and out like, like I mean, it was like a like a domino board or a chessboard. They were just moving <laughs> guys all over the place, and so they haven't figured that part out. And then Arkansas, and we saw it last week, even in the rush three drop eight. Arkansas was still able to get some pressure at times. Guys like Jonathan Marshall and Xavier Kelly were able to get through. The, the, the linebackers stayed clean. That's shown by the fact that they had, what, almost 25 ta- or 55 tackles or whatever it was, 45, whatever, 35, 40 tackles, whatever it was between the two of them. A lot, a yeah, whole a, lot. Yes. And, and, and so, and what, the top two leading tackles, tacklers in the country as well. So, I mean, when you, when you look at what Arkansas has been able to do defensively, I trust our defensive line. And as crazy as this is to sound, I trust our linebackers at this point in terms of how they've played so far. You know, amazing. I trust that better than what I see from Auburn right now because what I see and what I hear from Auburn sounds eerily similar to what we heard and saw at the University of Arkansas for the last two years in terms of offense. Mm-hmm. And, and there's one common denominator there, and it's a guy that just seems to blow everything up wherever he goes and still somehow gets credit for being good, and I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't get it at all. I mean, maybe we're just setting ourselves up to be completely embarrassed on Saturday, and they really figure it out, and and Chad's offense just explodes, but I'm not seeing it. I mean, I think we tried to tell him. I mean, we saw it for two years. This guy doesn't know, one, to know how to run a program, but he he doesn't relate well to his players. He doesn't know how to develop players. I mean, we're already seeing. I mean, I've seen rumors on on the message boards online that they're that Auburn's losing the team. I mean, that's exactly what happened from to Chad Morris at the beginning of his tenure at Arkansas, and they never played for him for one second. That's right. And so I I, I just think that Gus and Chad are kind of cut from the same cloth, and I don't think that that's a good mix. Um, and, and I I just don't see that working out. I know you said it before that Chad's kind of a scapegoat. Scapegoat, excuse me. I mean, I I think that they've kind of tied themselves to a horse with no legs and I think this could be the beginning of the end of that era in Auburn. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree. So, obviously the Chad Moore storyline we've talked about we've talked about it here. All, all I got to say is look, here here's how I feel about this. Number 1, <laughs> I think I think emotionally it's going to be it will be the only part of it. I mean, we're going to get to – as fans, we're going to hopefully get to see this Auburn offense implode unlike it's done against us over the last mm-hmm. four, four years. But, you know, when you see some of the things that are coming out from that Auburn locker room, such as their you know, their center saying this is personal for Chad Morris, what the heck is personal <laughs> about this for Chad Morris? You ruined this football program. You stole millions of dollars from this football program for two years. You went four and eighteen. You lost twenty consecutive SEC games or whatever it was. Um, you know, 
you left after getting fired and didn't say a word to to this fan base to anyone and, and now you're at Auburn and you're convincing your players that this is personal I really hope that that's just like player talk just gamesmanship and that they're just saying that because how in the world could this situation be personal to Chad Morris other than maybe he wants to prove that he's a better offensive mind than he really is. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Yeah. And, and to me, I think that the, the, where, where you're going to see this storyline play out, I, I think you'll see it early. I say, I think Arkansas will be very amped up. Hopefully it's not too amped up. Um, right. And then I think that, uh, you know, I think there'll be some chatter, and I think there'll be some talking. I think there'll be some times if Arkansas does something, there'll be some guys on the offensive or – there'll be some Razorbacks staring at that Auburn sideline a few times. But, I, you know, the one thing that I will say for that and in terms of that storyline is I trust that this coaching staff for Arkansas has these guys focused enough that once they step on that field, that storyline's over and let's just go win. Right. I mean, I think I think all Razorback fans wish that Chad Morris would have taken it more personally the past two seasons. Yeah. Uh, maybe we would have had a few more wins in there. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't get it. I don't understand this this chatter from Auburn saying that they're that this is personal for Chad. This is so it's personal to them, and they're playing for him. He couldn't get a single player to play for him for two seasons. He's not getting players to play for him in two games at all. And that's just – it feels forced. It feels fake. Um, they're trying to talk it up. Uh, I, I think that they're I, – I don't know. I mean, I haven't talked to the players, but I guarantee you there are players in that locker room that really want to stick it to him. But like you said, I hope that that's not their sole focus. It, it is really showing up and showing him out. Um, I, I think I hope that they're focused on the game. I do hope that that gives them a little extra motivation, and then they play hard and they and they try to make a statement. And, and if we do, obviously, personally as a Razorback fan, I would love nothing more to absolutely embarrass him on Saturday. But the team can't be focused on that. I think, like you said, Sam Pittman said they're not even going to mention it. It's not even anything that they're going to talk about. I think that they're just going to go out there and try to take care of business and win another football game. Well, and you make a good point there too. I think it's I think it's kind of important to notice, like the Auburn side is the side that's talking this up more than anything. I know that a few players on the Arkansas side, it's kind of been mentioned here or there, it, it, more so with within the fan base. But you know, you're seeing Auburn players come out and 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 talk. You know that the personal thing, the fact that you know, on the defensive side they're giving he's he's giving them he's giving them tips on what the what our players can do. Like really, you didn't even know what those players could do when they were here. Like come on, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, so I don't know. I don't. I mean, again, it's. I hope. I hope he is. I hope that's exactly yeah. what he's doing because he did, he didn't have a clue the past two seasons. I think that might be a, an Arkansas victory on the way if that's the case. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, give that defense all the pointers you can, please, because we're we, you know that's the that's the talented side of your football team, and go ahead and and, and mess them up a little bit for us too. We'll we'll take that. So I think yeah, we, I, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say, go ahead, man. I was just gonna say I, I saw that tweet that you mentioned, and I I kind of made a joke um, on Twitter that that he, like he would say something like that wide receiver number sixteen. We really don't have to worry about him. He didn't <laughs> he didn't score any touchdowns last season. I mean, like anything he would say that's negative about a player was going to be his fault. And there's a lot of really awkward elements to um, him probably preparing for this game because, you know, the whole week uh, Gus Malzahn and the staff are having to say, this isn't the same Arkansas team as we played the last two years, and that's the exact team that he coached. And he's got to sit there and talk up the same players that he couldn't win with to the team and to the media, and just that thought put a smile on my face this week. Yeah, I really thought that was a very interesting quote, I, and I, I mean, maybe maybe we're all taking it a little out of context, but I thought that was a great, great quote. I thought it was very interesting about Malzahn talking about, you know, well, it's obvious they're 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 coached really well this year. They're playing really hard for their coach. I'm thinking, dude, the guy that's you hired to fix your offense is still there, and he was the coach of this team, these same players last year. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty intriguing. Uh, so, we've, I mean, we've hit this a lot, but um, players' matchups to watch for. Let's hit that first. Players and matchups to watch for. Um, you know, for me, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Um, obviously, we've talked the trenches up. I think that's the matchup as far as uh, where mm-hmm. the, the SEC games are always one in the trenches. It's not like this is big, some big surprise that we're throwing out to the masses. You know, it's not, it's not a surprise that that's where a game would be won. But I think it's extremely important in this game because – Mm-hmm. Both teams have struggled on the offensive line. Both teams have played pretty well on their defensive lines. Although I say that, you know, Auburn has really struggled against the run. I think I read earlier like they're 
way down there in, in running in terms of against the run. Kentucky kind of ran all over them. Georgia didn't have any issues mm-hmm. running on them. So, I mean, you know, to me, that's where it's at because if Arkansas is going to win this game, and, and even if they don't have Rakeem Boyd, they're going to have to win this game with the running game. You look at the weather, you look at everything. All signs point to Arkansas is going to have to control this game on the ground. You look at what Georgia did. We talked about the fact that they only had that Auburn only had three possessions the entire second half. That's because Georgia, while Auburn, you know, first first on defense, you know, Georgia. I guess you, when you look at the numbers, it's somewhat of a bend don't break in the second half. They allowed long drives, 10, 14 play drives, but then they ended in field goal attempts or, or turnovers. And so Arkansas defensively has got to be able to do something similar to that. And then, you know, offensively, we've got to be able to establish the running game. Yeah, completely agree on, on both accounts. I'm um, going, going just to the defense. Now, are you looking for the players matchups or the keys to, to victory here? Well, let's, let's just talk about, I think we've really hit the players matchups, you know, to watch for, but um, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Yeah, we keys. can hit. Keys. I'll just give my, my keys to victory for Arkansas. Um, number one, I would say take care of the ball. Um, I think that, like we said multiple times, it's probably going to be a defensive battle. So points will be at a premium. Um, I looked, I looked up and it looks like Auburn so far only has one turnover on the season. Um, they forced three turnovers on defense. So that's pretty impressive. Um, Felipe Franks did a much better job. They did have a fumble, but he didn't throw any picks against Mississippi State. They need another effort like that where they hold on to the ball. And that also leads into you got to cut out the three and out. So I know Sam Pittman mentioned today, even if it's just one first down, you got to get a first down every time you, you have the ball. I mean, I know we're probably not really going to ever win the time of possession battle because of the tempo of the offense. Uh, we lost it by 11 minutes in week one and 13 in week two. Um, but you have to find a way to sustain some drives to give the defense a break. And then you'll break through on those explosive plays every now and then. Um, and then just de- defensively, I mean, keep on keeping on. They're ranked number 33 in total defense in the NCAA, giving up 4.55 yards per play. Um, the Auburn offense has struggled. You can't. I, I think Arkansas's defense needs to be amped up. It needs to make plays from the beginning. You can't let this be a get-right game for Auburn's offense and let them get in a rhythm and get confidence early on in the game. You got to know where they want to go with the football and blanket those guys. I think you need to get pressure on Bo Nix. He can use his legs, but I saw. I mean, Georgia made him uncomfortable all game on on throws of ten plus yards. Bo Nix was three for eighteen with a pick. That's awful. I think that if you can get him rattled. Um, and get him uncomfortable out of the pocket, um, that'll go a long way to winning the game. I agree 100%. I don't know that I could add anything else to that. So as we uh, move forward, official picks. Let's see. Did I go first last week? I think it's your turn to go I first, think, didn't it? I think it's mine. I think I went first for Georgia, and you went first for Mississippi yeah. State. So it's, it's me. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. Okay, well, isn't it kind of funny how how one single win can, can sort of change your entire outlook of, of, of a football team. Right. Um, Arkansas has the monkey off their back. No more SEC losing streak, not, no 20-game streak, no 1,071 days. And, and I kind of see this game as two teams trending in opposite directions. I know that both offenses have had, have had their struggles, but, but I don't see Auburn improving right now, and I think Arkansas is taking baby steps to improve. Both teams have solid defenses. I think Arkansas has a lot to play for emotionally and motivation. While in contrast, I kind of think Auburn has a lot more to lose. I mean, they're at home. They're supposed to win. They're the ranked team. The bad weather, the injuries, the COVID, I mean, it all kind of caused for chaos. And, and don't with the hurricane coming in, don't mind my bad pun, but it's kind of a perfect storm for a major upset. And it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for Arkansas to prove that it's not a fluke. Now, I may be just putting on the, the Razorback red-colored glasses after a win. I never would have said this before this season at all. But with that being said, I think, I think that Traylon Burks plays, and I think that gives Arkansas's offense enough of a boost to make enough plays and score points. I think Arkansas's defense continues to follow Barry Odom's lead and to be stout, and Auburn's offense with the Chad Morris experience continues to sputter. I think the Auburn hot seat gets as hot as ever. I think Twitter absolutely crashes with all the memes and jokes. In fact, I mean, if Arkansas wins this game, I think Chad Morris might as well delete his account because it's going to get ugly. My prediction is Arkansas goes into the Plains and upsets Auburn 27-21. Wow. All right. So last week I went Arkansas. 
There and I'm with you. This game it was not on my radar as an Arkansas win. Even with Chad Morris, I I would have been like you know no, the, the, not even close. Thinking okay, it would a dream to beat Chad Morris in that game. But you made the point. This team is living and dying on defense right now. They are they have taken on the mentality of that defensive coordinator in Barry Odom. They look like a different unit. They look like a team that's cohesive, and they're going up against an offense that looks exactly the opposite. An offense that we watched sputter and fall apart game after game after game. The only difference for Auburn right now is that they don't have 13 other quarterbacks that they can put in in this game. <laughs> so the big plus here for Gus, for Gus and, 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 and Chad is that they'll have to run Bo Nix out there all game long. He'll get a ton of throws probably. And, and Arkansas defensively is going to swarm. You're going to see those those jerseys. You're going to see that that, that that Razorback red all over these Auburn Tigers all day long. And for the first time in a long time, I'm picking Arkansas in a low-scoring game. And I like Arkansas in this game 24-13. to I think Arkansas puts this thing away kind of late. And, and I like I, I like what they did last week, being able to shut down Mississippi State on fourth down. I think you're going to see it again this week. Arkansas is going to shut them down late. Arkansas 24, Auburn 13. Woo pig, man. Woo pig. Boy, I just it's just a different feeling. I mean, I is. just have a feeling about this game. I don't know. Normally, I would I would never do this. I mean, like I said before, Mississippi State, I picked Arkansas to lose that game, and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna be able to pick them to win until they did it, and they did it. And I just, I just have two opposite feelings about this team. I, we have so much familiarity with Chad Morris and, and where that can go. I think this team is absolutely loves Sam Pittman and the staff, and they'll do whatever it takes to win games for them. I think that they, there's a lot. I think they've probably circled this game. I know they always say it's just another game, but they're going to want to come out and win this game, and I think that's exactly what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and Sam Pittman will never, ever say this, but – there's got to be some sort of, you know, maybe later when he retires, there's, but there's got to be some sort of pride that he can take in. You know, he was he was battered. Not, I mean, when you talk about the court of public opinion when Arkansas hired him, oh, right, he, for he sure. was stuck with some old uh, line coach who who nobody, you know, you heard the good old Brandon Walker who was the 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 <laughs> who got all the Razorback heat last week, but you know, talking about how, yeah, yeah, let me tell you, but you talk about a guy who you know he came out and said that nobody even wanted Sam Pittman, and the you know the rest of the conference hired all these great guys, and the great mind of Gus of of Chad Morris is now going to team up with the great mind of Gus Malzahn. Everybody threw Sam Pittman basically in the dumpster and said Arkansas and Sam can go to the dumpster. They can, and they can be, I guess, pig feed for lack of a better option here to say. And Pittman to be able to come out and beat Mike Leach in his first try and not just beat Mike Leach, but control a Mike Leach offense that looked unstoppable one week prior. If he goes out and beats this Auburn team and Chad Morris, Whew. There may be more words than just crank up that damn jukebox in the locker room after this game, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know Sam Pittman will never say anything bad about this situation and about Chad Morris, but I promise you he's going to feel really good if they can get this W. Yeah, I honestly – I don't even know how I would feel if Arkansas pulls this one off. I've been – I mean, it's what day is it today? Thursday? Yeah. I, I already can't, can't focus on work. It's been difficult. I'm so pumped up for this game. And I know that – it might have the makings of a classic hogs gonna hog letdown game. I I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm holding on to the hope. But if Arkansas goes into into Jordanaire Stadium and pulls this off, well, every single Razorback fan will absolutely lose it. It'll be it'll be the the biggest most enjoyable win we've had in, in who knows how long. Yeah, anybody that's not blocked by Chad Morris on Twitter yet will be by the time <laughs> Sunday rolls around. You're doing it wrong if you're not blocked. That's nice. Hey, let me just tell you, I've tried and he hasn't blocked me yet. So I've I've gone. He hasn't every, blocked me either. I've went to the all the extents except cussing him out, which I won't do. But yeah, I, I've I've had some comments for him, and he won't he won't block me yet. I've seen plenty of others that have been. So <laughs> all right, let's hop into real quick. Let's get these SEC picks. And you know what I'm going to do Alrighty. after this after this is over after this week. 
Um, I am going to go back before next week's, and I'm going to compile our records in these. I'm going to go back and listen. Yeah, to I was going to. I was going to ask you if you were going to keep up with that. I didn't know if we were or not. Yeah, I should have started doing that when we first started. Not anything about it, but I'm going to go back and listen to those, and and I will compile our records after this weekend's over, and we can share that with the folks. So. All right, so starting the day off, which everything's kind of getting jumbled and moved around because of weather and such, but I'm just going to go through this in terms of how it lays out on the schedule for the day. So 11 a.m. on, uh, let's see, this one is, where is this one at? I don't even know. Is this CBS? Surely not at 11 a.m. Anyway, 11 a.m., College Station, Texas, Florida at Texas A&M. Who you got? Okay, so as we've seen so far, I think Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts will continue their their tag team Heisman campaign. Um, the Aggies are going to continue to be average. Florida's defense did show some holes against both Ole Miss and South Carolina, but that that offense is just too potent. I think A and M got smacked around by Bama again, but hey, at least at least Jimbo expected to win the game, as he said in the post game. At least they expected to win. Uh, baby steps. I think the Gators will continue to rack up points, and I think they cover and beat A and M by two scores. Yeah, so six and a half point favorites are Florida in this one. Um, you know, we, you and I were texting back and forth during that Alabama Texas A and M game, and and I was like, man, it's fourteen to fourteen, and then all of a sudden it was like forty two to fourteen gate. or something. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Pick six and all kinds of other stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, Florida Florida let me down a little bit last week with how they allowed South Carolina to hang around. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I Florida's just too good offensively. I, I think I'm with you. I think this line's too low. I think I think Florida handles this by two touchdowns. Um, and and Jimbo's still licking his wounds trying to figure out how to win a game. <laughs> so poor guy with all that money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he's hurting if he gets fired. Hmm. So <laughs> another interesting one is we get Tigers and uh, Tigers and Tigers in Missouri and LSU. 11 a.m. 14 point spread. LSU's the favorite. I think that number's way too high. Um, I you know Missouri. I obviously have no. I have no respect for Missouri as a program. I don't like their coach. I don't like the scenario situation going on up there. LSU did some things better against Vandy, but it's Vandy. I think Missouri is at least better than Vanderbilt, I think. Um, and so I think this game is closer than 14, but I think LSU handles it. Probably, you know, touchdown, 10-point game. But I do think – I think Missouri maybe puts a little scare in LSU down there this week. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, LSU bounced back pretty nicely against the the fighting Derrick Mason, forty one to seven. Missouri got got pretty much dominated by Tennessee, and they continue to look like, at best, probably the second worst team in the conference. Um, I, I think this. I mean, I, I'm a little bit more high on LSU and and, and not as much on Missouri on this game. Um, I think LSU makes light work again of, of an SEC East cellar dweller. I actually think LSU covers. I think LSU wins by three touchdowns. Okay. All right. Another 11 o'clock kickoff. This one in Nashville. It's For once, we can say a battle of SEC bottom dwellers, and it's not Arkansas. South Carolina <laughs> and Vanderbilt. Who you got? Four words. Who cares? Gamecock win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I agree. Sorry, I had to get out that COVID <laughs> cough there. I was choked up. Um, yeah. South Carolina's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Looks like it's going to be pouring down rain in Nashville as well. Um, yeah, I, poor, I, I guess I shouldn't say poor Derek Mason. Nobody nobody not named uh, James Franklin I don't think is ever going to have any type of success at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, South Carolina, yeah, whatever, they bore you. But they'll win this game, and they'll probably win it convincingly down in Vanderbilt. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. South Carolina, two touchdowns. At 2.30, this, I'm assuming this is the CBS game, Tennessee at Georgia. Another, another SEC East rivalry. I know they, they really tried to build up that Auburn-Georgia game last week and making everyone think Auburn was going to win and that was going to be a great, close, hard-fought game. Um, I think they're doing that again with Georgia-Tennessee, and I think, once again, I think they're wrong. I think Tennessee is an improved team. I think they're a solid team, but I think that their pretty much meaningless winning streak is snapped this week. I don't think they've really beaten anybody. I think Georgia's just a tough team. I mean, that defense is is all-world, maybe one of the best we've seen ever. Um, And the offense is really coming along, especially on the ground. I think Georgia beats Tennessee by at least 17 points. 
Um, and I think they continue to prove that they're the most well-rounded team in the East. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I think this game will be interesting, obviously, because of the weather as well. Um, Tennessee or Georgia is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite here. Tennessee's not done a whole lot to impress me. Like you said, it's kind of a, you know, it's a luck of the draw, I guess, winning streak they have going on here. Um, and, and I like Georgia. I think Georgia imposes that will. Um, they probably run for a huge chunk of yards in this game, considering what the weather is going to look like. And um, I like Georgia to cover this one. I think this is at least a two touchdown game for Georgia. Let's see. Let's jump down to the nightcap. Alabama at Ole Miss is an, not an interesting game. I'm just kidding. I think I think <laughs> Ole Miss can somewhat. Uh, I guess. I mean, the the storyline, Lane Kiffin getting to play Bama. I guess he he's going to be super amped up. But Alabama can do whatever they want. I mean, they proved that last week. I looked like an idiot on this podcast last week talking about, oh, Alabama just going to run the ball and run over people, and then they have like multiple eighty yard touchdown passes last week. So yeah, yeah, Mac Jones can can, can chunk it. Yes, he can. <laughs> I mean, and, and so. I, I don't know what else is. I mean, I'm with. I'm kind of like you were with the South Carolina game. I mean, Alabama's a twenty, almost twenty three and a half point favorite here. The weather should play some impact on this game, and, and but I think if anything, the weather hurts Ole Miss more than it does Alabama because Alabama can go at go come at you either way. Ole Miss right. is gonna want to chuck the ball around the field with Lane Kiffin, and I think that hurts them. I think Alabama covers this game, and I don't even think this game is close. And I think Lane is having some weird press conference when it's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's another one of those classic Nick Saban versus a former assistant battles that he's never lost. Um, I, I think Ole Miss does have some offensive fireworks, um, and they're obviously riding high after what I would consider a fluky win over Kentucky, uh, a pretty average Kentucky team that I have not been very impressed with so far. Um, I think it's time for a big slice of humble pie for the lane train. I think Bama wins. They may have 700 total yards of offense. I think it's going to be a whole lot. But I think that Ole Miss finds a way to cover. I think Alabama wins by 20. Okay. Fair enough. I, and then with the weather, I could see that. So, fair enough. All right, the, the nightcap of the evening. And what may end up, I mean, it's on paper, I guess it's not a great game. But overall, it could be in a very entertaining game. Mississippi State and Kentucky. Yeah. Obviously, Ole Miss and Kentucky were extremely entertaining last week. Um, you know, this game's interesting to me. I, I, Kentucky's a two-point favorite. Um, that I'm guessing that's just because they're at home. You know, the rain's going to get that game as well, and I think that bodes well for Kentucky. Um, Arkansas may have laid out the blueprint to shut down Mississippi State, but just like we said last week where every time, you know, it seems like a Mike Leach team, coach team is way up high and they come crashing down to earth, Mike Leach always seems to figure out a way to kind of get his team back up there and doing it again and doing things the next week. So, um I'm I'm really torn. I think this is a good line. I think two points is a really mm-hmm. good line. I like Mississippi State to bounce back and beat Kentucky this week. Okay, I actually agree with you on this one. Um, I know, you, like, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, I agree with you. Uh, both teams are obviously licking their wounds from from tough losses. Um, Kentucky lost to Ole Miss because college kickers suck. I don't want to get into a rant on how how ridiculous I think it is to lose a game because of a kicker. Yes. That's, that's a story for another day. Um, obviously, Mississippi State lost to the Razorbacks, Blue Pig. Um, but but I mentioned a second ago, I just I haven't been very impressed with Kentucky, especially – well, at first it was on offense and then on defense against Ole Miss either. So I, I do think that Mike Leach is a really smart guy. I know Arkansas found a way to really slow them down. I think that he'll find some remedies for that zone defense that he's guaranteed to see. And like you said, I, I think that offense finds enough answers vertically down the field to score enough points, um, and they squeak out a victory on the road. Well, I was hoping we'd have one different there. Oh, well. <laughs> makes it makes it fun. Uh, but, uh, all right. Well, we've, we have accomplished another pod. And uh, first, before we go, I want to make sure that I mention – some of our sponsors, Lost Pizza Company in Benton. Make sure you guys go see the folks at Lost Pizza, uh, as well as 
Heart of Grace Outdoors. Go see the folks at Heart of Grace Outdoors on Facebook and uh, check out some of their stuff. Got some really exciting news from my buddy Wes, who is the focus, who's the, he's the owner of Heart of Grace Outdoors, but he's the focus of our series that we're starting, that we're that we're filming right now. And uh, I may be sitting uh, in a, in a boat um, a whole lot next uh, next spring or next spring and summer uh, for some fishing tournaments. So looking forward to that. Uh, but go go check out the guys over at Heart of Grace Outdoors and uh, get get you a T-shirt. It's pretty neat. They're not. It was a it was an accident that they're accurate that they that they're the initials are hall. Um, but uh, it, it's a pretty neat deal. It's HOG on the shirt. It looks good. And uh, so get some of that gear, and we'll have some more gear coming out with them as well. Um, but other than that, man, I think that's about it. And uh, hopefully we're back here next week previewing an, after another Arkansas victory. For sure. Happy Chapmore's hate week. Um, winning felt good. We might as well mess around and do it again. So we'll pig, beat Auburn. Go hog. That's right. All right. Well, until next week, Woo Pig.